listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. North of Zero by Slippin' Mickeys on AO3. Chapter 14. The Orange. So what do you want for your birthday? Mulder asked, and as he hoped, William chuckled from the bedroll they'd set up on top of a fragrant patch of pine needles five miles from their valley. Scully was poking a stick at the campfire that wasn't burning quite as well as she wanted it to, and she watched as Mulder, sitting near where their son lay resting on the other side of the fire, actually got the boy to smile. A new car? William said, his tired eyes looking jokingly hopeful. Not until you get your license, Mulder said, but nice try, Junior. What did you get for your 15th birthday, Mulder? Scully asked, genuinely curious. Joint custody, he said easily. My parents' divorce went through two days before I turned 15. Scully looked away sadly, but William took Mulder's comment in stride. Were you guys ever married? He asked curiously. Not in the widely understood definition of that term, Mulder answered, repeating a line he'd said to someone else in a different lifetime. My birth certificate, William said. The one I saw. Those weren't your real names. So what was mine? When I was born, what was mine? William Scully, Scully said, and William's eyes flicked to his father. The circumstances of your conception and birth, Mulder said, and the events surrounding it were complicated, Scully finished for him. William looked over the fire at her, and she could still feel the stare of the super-soldier standing witness. Complicated how? Were you not together? Mulder and Scully looked at each other over the crackling firelight. The last person to have just come right out and asked had been her mother. Was I a test tube baby? Is that why I'm like this? Some kind of freak experiment? He started to sit up. No. Scully said quickly. No, you were made the old-fashioned way. He relaxed. Have you had that talk, or do you still need it? Mulder said, and Scully imagined William's cheeks turned roughly the same color as her own. It was hard to tell in the firelight. I'm familiar with the mechanics, William said, looking at his lap. But they don't seem complicated, was it? You guys love each other, he said. Scully nodded, watched the firelight flicker over her son's red hair. I don't think I've ever really loved anyone else. With that, she looked at Mulder, whose eyes bore into hers, not looking away. William, if you ever find a woman like that, with this, he pointed at Scully, you don't ever let her go. There's no going back after that. Scully wondered if her son would ever find love in the hellscape of their scorched earth, but then she thought of their little cabin on Green Lake, 
of whispered promises and soft sighs. There could still be safety and comfort, even in the darkest of times. How are you feeling? Scully asked him, standing from the fire and making her way over to him. There was a time to tell him about the circumstances surrounding his birth, but now wasn't it. Like I got hit by a spaceship. Do all of your powers drain you? Scully asked. No, he shook his head. Not like this. Scully sat down next to him, mulling over his answer, concerned. She pulled out an old handkerchief and poured some water from her canteen on it, offering it up to him. He took it and began blindly rubbing at the dried blood under his nose. He stopped after a moment and held it back out to her. Will you? he asked quietly. Scully nodded and took the old rag, gently wiping away the dust and blood from under his nose, and then paying the same careful attention to the shell of his ears. Can you hear okay? she asked him. He nodded. Good. She got the last few streaks, William sitting patiently still under her attention, and she could have sworn for a moment that she could smell the heady smell of him when he'd been a baby. The sour, sweet sawdust misc science had never been able to recreate. Then she looked self-consciously over her shoulder at Mulder watching her and pulled her hand back. There, she said. Thanks. William gave her a small smile and lightly thunked his head back down onto the bedroll. He looked utterly wrung out, completely devoid of energy. Do you think you could eat something? I can try. Mulder stood and walked over to the bags that Marlowe had hastily thrown together and began to rifle through one of them, pulling out a sleeve of crackers, mostly broken, which he tossed over to Scully, and then a long rope of Slim Jims. Those will be hell on his stomach, Scully pointed out, and Mulder shoved them back in the bag, rummaging in deeper. Then, with a quiet exclamation, he pulled his arm up slowly out of the bag, and in his hand was an orange. The color was bright and sunny, even in the light of the fire, and he held it up and peered at it like Hamlet considering the skull. An orange, he said with the appropriate amount of gravity. It had been two years since they'd so much as seen one. He carried it back to Scully and William and sat down, handing it over to his son, who held it gingerly. Scully could see that its skin was beginning to wrinkle near the stem, and it was on the small side. Nevertheless, her mouth flooded with saliva just looking at it. I can't, William said, trying to hand it back to Mulder. Go on, Scully said. It's okay. He looked at it for a moment. How about we split it? He handed it to her, the fruit heavy in her hand, its pebbled surface like a touch from a different time. Will you peel it? he asked. I always make a mess of it. She ran her thumb over it once and then sunk her thumbnail through the surface of the peel, the sharp smell of citrus oil permeating the cold nighttime air like spice through an exotic market. She made quick work of the job, shucking the peel away in nearly one piece, leaving most of the pith. She peeled apart three sections, 
handing the largest to William. Mulder took his and held it briefly to his nose, his eyes closed. Then he went to peel off some of the white. The pith is high in vitamin C, she said. Eat it. They all did so, trying to enjoy it, trying not to eat too fast. It was a bit dry. There would be no juice running down anyone's chin. But it was sweet and nostalgic and heady as a first kiss. Scully had never tasted anything so good. The campfire the travelers sat around looked small from where Ezekiel sat and watched, a flickering speck through a screen of scrub pine and larch. It was cold where he perched, the ground under him frigid and hard. He thought of his task, of the glory it would bring, and was warmed by the fire of his faith. For the first time in his life, he experimented with his powers, really experimented, without thought or worry that he would be caught or punished or worse, treated with fear. He experimented with what he could do and how he could do it. When he was little, he had no control over his gifts. They would come out when he was upset or angry or sometimes when he was calm and inside himself. He hadn't thought he was doing anything different or unusual until he was four years old and laying in bed one night, and he used his mind to lift five or six different stuffed animals into the air and made them do an intricate weaving dance. He'd only been able to mentally lift one at a time before that, and had been able to do so since before he could remember. But the new skill was so exciting that he'd called his parents in to see. After that, any time he used his gifts, it was always accompanied by a feeling of guilt or shame. The freedom to explore himself and what he could do almost made up for the fact that the world around him was ending. He was walking along an old freeway that had been cut through a mountainside. The sheer rock face on his right had crumbled a bit into the roadway, a largish boulder having cheekily knocked aside a yellow road sign that said, Watch out for falling rock. He had just sidestepped around an abandoned old Datsun when the feeling came over him. He'd felt it before, but at the time he was too young to make sense of what it meant. He'd been standing on the beach of an ocean or a really big lake. He was five or six years old, on vacation with his parents back when they did things like that, and the beach underfoot was mealy with sand. But something about the sand had been different. He remembered thinking it wasn't the right color, swirled as it was with black grit, and he felt odd somehow. He felt a kind of summoning. Now, as he stood before the low ledge of rock, he had the same feeling as he had on that beach. He put his hand out and touched the escarpment. There was a layer of strata within it that seemed to... It was hard to explain, but he could feel it shiver responding to him. He put a finger to it, the darkest line in the rock, like the dark swirls of grit on that beach, and it, the whole thin layer of the earth, moved as if it were drifting toward him. He took a step back, then a few more, an idea forming in his mind. He put his hand up, like he did when he was calling an object toward himself, or like when he used to make his suffies dance in the air above his head. And then he called to it.
he summoned that single layer of bedrock from the cliffside, and it came to him. It shot out of the fillets, the whole hillside shivering in its wake, and stopped in front of his hand. A near-metric ton of black earth, swirling like plasma in the air, as obediently at his command as the most well-trained hound. And then, just to see if he could, he sent it back from whence it came, back into the cliffside strata, where it resettled like Excalibur returned to the rock, the only thing left behind a hazy layer of dust, which settled back onto the earth lightly, gently. The boy walked on. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.